this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Smoking Pack Gregoire joins the family, and we're now a duo. We speak with the reigning NLL MVP Shane Jackson, Reed Reinhold of the Toronto Rock, MVP of the NLL PA stops by, plus our first edition of Box Bet. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast, and we're a little bit new now. Uh, joining us, the one, the only, Smoking Patty Gregoire. Pat, welcome to the family, my man. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Uh, this kind of has been like a long time in the making. I know I haven't really been on the show in a little while. What is it, like two years ago we had the smoke chat with Smoking Pat? Came on a couple of times after that, but... You know what? It, it feels good to, to finally officially join Off the Crossbar as a full-time member, and it feels good um, to have lacrosse back in our lives and to be, you know, a little sentiment here. It, it, it really does feel great. It feels like nature is actually healing. Being in Halifax a couple of weeks ago, having lacrosse back, Although it was two years since we've done that, it felt like it was just yesterday that yeah. you were, you know, hopping on the plane with with the team, you know, seeing Pete, seeing all these other people with the team. So, you know, nature is healing, lacrosse is back, and it's even better now that I'm joining alongside riding shotgun with you on Off the Crossbar podcast. Yeah, I was out at the Langley Event Center for uh, NLL Media Day. It's sort of the the super camp is Calgary, Colorado. San Diego and Vancouver were all in town. There was a bunch of scrimmages. It was great. It was just great to see all the fellas again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like we're media. We're not even the players. We're like, we're not in the locker rooms with the guys. Mm-hmm. But just from a media standpoint, just being able to see the guys, shake their hands, give them hugs, catch up. Um, it was uh, a great weekend. And NL Media Day was um, fantastic. I, we don't usually do a media day because we've never yeah. really had true media to give our stuff to like every team will do sort of a media day where, you know, they'll shoot little videos for the scoreboards and do some Twitter stuff and things like that. But we were actually trying to get content for broadcasts and and stuff we can use during games. Um, So it was absolutely phenomenal to be there. It was, it was a long day. I know 
Devin and Ashley had long days out of the track earlier yeah. in the week. Um, but it was also long days for, for the fellas as they had, you know, practices and then they had to deal with the media and they had to do scrimmages, but um, Scott Zaltero and, and his crew um, just doing amazing work. Um, so that was, that was, that was a wicked fun time. Um, like I said, just, just good to be around the rink. You guys had the, the purple and orange game out there in Halifax. Um, so we're getting back to some normalcy and being back here on this show, talking lacrosse is about as normal as it gets until we get uh, to those games. Um, you can get a hold of Pat on Twitter. He's at P Greggy. Uh, you can get a hold of me at Teddy Jenner. It is a new Twitter handle uh, because we thought we'd get the show a Twitter handle. So now the show is OTCB underscore podcast. And I am Teddy Jenner and he is Pat Gregor. Don't forget. December 4th is coming around the corner. So you want to make sure you are looking your best in all of your team swag. Make sure you go to nllshop.com in the U.S. or fanatics.ca for all your team gear. You want a little Halifax orange. You want a little mammoth burgundy. Whatever your colors are, hat shirts, sweatshirts, and more, nllshop.com and fanatics.ca. Patty, the news sort of of the week besides, you know, some of the transactions we're going to get into uh, the NL finally announcing the TSN game of the week broadcast schedule. And this has been a long time coming. Everyone's kind of been itching and waiting to see who was going to be playing, who was going to be on TV. And now we finally have it. And it is a great schedule starting on December 4th in Hamilton. Yeah, I think this is, this is awesome. The way that they've laid out the schedule, you go through, you see, majority of the Canadian teams get a fair shake at the game of the week. And I think that's the way it's got to be. You can't have the same couple of teams on seeing the same players because at the end of the day, yes, you're here to feed the need of the lacrosse fans so they can flip on a game when they get home, watch their team on the road. But at the end of the day, this is about finding the new lacrosse fans, Mm -hmm. finding the casual sports fans. So if you can find those fans, just by them flipping on the TV going, you know, or even in the case of TSN direct, if they're streaming it on their TV, going through their app, seeing what's there, they're going to see that, but they're also going to have an opportunity, you know, if they are from Toronto, if they're from Calgary, Vancouver, Saskatchewan, they also will see their hometown team um, be able to play and they're going to get more games. And I think that's great. I also think, you know, the, the December 4th game, the schedule makers did a tremendous job picking a lot of premier games in that first week. Um, obviously, you would think that I would say Halifax, <laughs> Saskatchewan, you know, the, the the two heavy betting favorites to win the title, but also that rematch from last year in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, coming back into that building, great storyline. But with that being said, you have the Toronto Rock, who if you talk of, to a casual lacrosse fan or someone who maybe just knows a little bit of lacrosse, they know who the Toronto Rock is mm-hmm. because the last time NLL lacrosse was on consistently, that was the powerhouse. And also you, you bring uh, another fold into the, to the mix as well, Teddy, is it's a new building. It's Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, it's a new era in a, a, a storied franchise in the Toronto Rock, but they're opening a new chapter. So I think that's really special. And I think TSN picked a great job. Obviously I would love to see Halifax Saskatchewan on TSN in week one, but this is going to be a great game in Albany as well. Uh, a lot of local connections to that area in Toronto as well. And let's not forget they're not new England anymore. They're not the black wolves anymore. 
they are still a team that has a lot to prove and they are hungry to get to where they were at the end of last year. And that was on top of the league as the best team in the league. Uh, we'll get into sort of our odds and hopes a little bit later in box bets. We don't want to give too much, away, but um, <laughs> you kind of mentioned it. all the Canadian teams are going to get games. I think every Canadian team has at least six games on. I think a couple of teams have seven. Um, Vancouver might get an extra game at the end as there's a bit of a flex game, depending on uh, who's in the playoff hunt and stuff like that. But the one thing we both kind of notice is that while every team will get a game, New York is the only team without a game on TSN. And that means no Jeff Teat on TSN. And that might seem like a bit of a shock and it is, but when you actually look at the riptide schedule, they only come to Canada twice. Once they go to Halifax, once they go to Toronto. So it might not have been as easy to get them on, but I do believe it is a tough look where you have one of the most highly anticipated players coming to the National Lacrosse League won't be on TSN. Sure. He's probably going to be on ESPN a lot. I would imagine (laughs) the Riptide will get a lot of games on ESPN, but the fact that he's not going to be on TSN is a tough pill to swallow. It is. And I think that, you know, you kind of look at it and I hate the hockey analogies because that's always the first thing that whenever you're talking lacrosse, that's what happens. But it is another thing. Up until this year with ESPN and with, um, you know, TNT taking over the NHL rights, you would never, ever see a game with Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers on American primetime because they just assumed Americans want to see American teams play. They want to see the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals, the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, in fact, if you're trying to grow new fans, you want to see the best players. And if that happens to be, Austin Matthews for the Toronto Maple Leafs and Connor McDavid for the Edmonton Oilers, two Canadian teams, then you do it. And I Mm -hmm. think this was a great opportunity for TSN to do that with a young budding star in Jeff T maybe on an American team. But with that being said, I was ready to go scorched earth here. But when you look at the schedule, it, it, it is really, really hard to fit in. January 8th was the one game, but Toronto is in Buffalo that game. I think TSN and the league, and I totally agree, it's close to the border. But also, as you and I know, there are not too many more electric atmospheres than Banditland. So I think that's a game, especially with Toronto, with the border restrictions opening up, we might actually see some fans from Hamilton go down and that might be their first sports road trip. So that's going to be a special game. Uh, Toronto fans, obviously, or uh, family members are going to be across the border as well. So I I will say, yes, it would have been great to have Jeff Teed on TSN a couple of times, Uh, but let's give the benefit of the doubt to the league, to TSN, that it just was not as easy as it happens. And Hey, maybe the riptide make the playoffs. Maybe Maybe, they get a game. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be a tough one uh, out there on Long Island. We'll get to, again, we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll get to Shane Jackson uh, in a minute here, uh, our first uh, guest of the show. But um, Canada soccer, we are a soccer nation, are we not? Is it official we now? Uh, no, we're not. No, no, no. We are not a soccer nation. We have been upgraded to a football nation. Oh, a football that's nation. how that foot football that's where we nation are. we're top that's 40 we in are. the world uh canada mexico last night Concacaf. uh what an absolute scene it was from Commonwealth stadium in edmonton um what was it like minus four minus 17 with wind chill 
Uh, the Mexicans never even actually got to practice outside. They flew in less than 24 hours before, um, and the Red Nation was in full force. What an absolute electric factor that game was. It was dicey near the end, oh uh, but a huge save from Boron, uh, knocking it off the line, uh, and the Canadians hold on, and uh, first place in the group. And now we're, we've taken over women's soccer. Uh, we're slowly taking over men's soccer and CONCACAF. Um, we are becoming a sports crazy powerhouse even more so. But what were you th- what were your thoughts on that game last night before we get to Jacko? It was nuts. It was crazy. Yeah. Honestly, it was one of the coolest, you know, sporting events that I think I've watched on TV. I never thought I would have FOMO uh, <laughs> sitting outside, right? wanting to be outside <laughs> in minus 17 weather in Edmonton. But here I am wishing I could have been at that game. It was electric. Uh, And it's really special to see this is a new age of soccer. And I think you talk about, you know, growing uh, fans of lacrosse. Well, you're going to start growing some fans Mm. of soccer as well. And I think the casual sports fan was captivated last night. uh, And I think it's only going to continue to grow. And I think obviously this is a completely different scale because this is nationwide, but um, it's crazy events and it's, you know, it's that, you know, being proud to be Canadian that you can rally around. So hopefully it becomes a day where lacrosse uh, at the national level, whether that be the Olympics in a few years, um, where they're able to, um, you know, rally around a team Canada lacrosse, obviously we're far away, but it just shows you that the growth of soccer has come a long way. Hopefully one day we'll be at the same way uh, in lacrosse as well. Um, San Atacube's celebration. The 10 best. out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Flying fish right into the snow pile. Like, it was unbelievable. Fans were going nuts. Alfonso Davy was going nuts. Herdman was pumping up the crowd. Um, got a little true Canadian at the end, a little scuffles and intensity after the match. But um, absolute scenes. Uh, they're on their winter break. Canada will end up top of the table going into the new year. Uh, six more games. But what are the odds on CoolBet.com right now for them to make to Qatar, you know? Oof, that is a good question. I don't know if we even have those odds, but I will say that is something that we are looking into getting up. Um, but I would be honest, I don't even know if that's a good bet to make right now because I think the odds are you'd have to be throwing down a lot of money uh, to get your money back because I think they're, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it, but they are in pretty good shape to qualify. Yeah, it, it's, it would be first time since 86. It would be if they make it to the world cup, that'll be in Qatar uh, pretty much in a year's time. Um, it's been two years since we've had national cross league cross. It's been 18 months since Shane Jackson was announced as the national lacrosse league MVP. He's the reigning MVP. He and the Georgia swarm are looking to get back to the championship game. And next thing you know, he's in Florida coaching, getting ready for the season. We catch up with the reigning MVP one-on-one right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by the reigning MVP of the National Cross League, he is Shane Jackson from the Georgia Swarm. Jacko, how are you, brother? Good, boys. Good to be on and uh, talk with you today. Uh, appreciate you hopping on. We know you're down in Florida with the Everest School playing IMG and a couple other programs from down there. Um, you've been working down in the Georgia Atlanta area, coaching some youth programs. Now you're with Clem Durazio and Brian Cole working with the Everest group. Um, how's that process been? Because it's probably a bit of a change for you. 
Uh, it's been good. Um, you know, we had a good run down in Atlanta for five years. We got better and better each year. Um, and then our last year, we made it to the state championship game. So um, you see the kids' hard work pay off. Uh, you know, it was really rewarding to see as a coach. And then transitioning here, I've uh, coached with Brian Cole down in Atlanta. And he's with Everest now. And so we had that, um, you know, we had that chemistry of being able to, you know, coming from coaching together. And then Clem Durazio, he's done a great job in building this program. So great bunch of kids on our team. And we got a very talented team. So I'm um, looking forward to this weekend. You're already getting the travel bug underneath your belt as the NLL season approaches. Uh, your Georgia Swarm are halfway through training camp. How's the body feel after extended hiatus from playing any indoor lacrosse? Uh, it's been good. Um, I think a lot of us, obviously, muscles are a little sore, but I think overall as a group out of our team, a lot of us are feeling well. And, um, you know, if Jordan Hall is feeling good, then we should all be feeling good. So <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been a good start for us. Yeah, you, you uh, obviously this is going to be a little bit of a different training camp for you guys. Obviously, the, the obvious is the two-year layoff, but also this is the first year that you have a lot of familiar faces not around. Um, you know, Randy Stott, Zed Williams, just to name a few. How different has it been not having some of those familiar faces alongside to start a season? Uh, it, it's been, it's been different. I mean, last time we played looking at our room, I thought, um, you know, we've all been playing together for a handful of years. So to have this break and then come into our team with a lot of new faces, it's, uh, it's a little different, but I think it, uh, overall it's, um, you know, that's just kind of the nature of sports. You know, you're going to have guys come in and out and, um, it's up to the guys that are in the room right now to come together as a group and, try and put this thing together so we can hopefully have a deep run but it's definitely you can't replace all the guys that we we lost um you know they're they're classy individuals off the floor and they're hell of lacrosse players on the floor but um you know i guess we had a good run with that group and wish all those guys nothing but the best but now it's just about the guys that are in our room right now coming together as a team coming together as a group like i said and uh trying to do something special Who's uh who's running your O now that uh, Laddie's jump ship to New York? Uh, we got Ed Como. So um, you know the knowledge that he brings in the championships he's won. Um, you know he's kind of seen everything that uh, the NLL has to offer. And then um, you know us returning guys like myself, uh, Jordan Hall and Brennan Bomber, we kind of just. We kind of like form in it right now where Laddie was the kind of guy beforehand drawing up all the plays, but now it's kind of like a, it's kind of a, a group effort. So, you know, Bomber, he, he played D last year and the year before, but he played, you know, a lot of offense in junior and Mac, Jordan McIntosh, he's playing offense first right now. And he came into the league as more of an old guy. So I think it's more of them getting their reps and kind of getting back used to playing the old, old O game and then um, you know on the left side we have myself and Jordan Hall who are returning and played together and then Ethan Walker I think I think Ethan Walker has had an outstanding camp so far he can really shoot the ball and um, you know he's fun to play with so um, you know a lot of new faces but I think as an offense we're, we're excited to get going. Yeah Ethan Walker is a guy that really interests me heading into this camp because obviously a Peterborough guy 
a lot of box experience, you know, played a little bit with the Lakers, but over the past few summers, we actually really haven't seen a ton of him playing because, you know, he's been stuck behind a lot of talented players with the Lakers. Uh, but what he's been able to do in division one lacrosse uh, with Denver, you clearly see, um, you know, the potential there. How has, I know you already said he's looked really good in training camp, but what makes you believe that this is a guy that can contribute at the next level? Yeah, I didn't really uh, know much about him um, until this past summer with he was on the water dogs and towards the end of the year, I kind of, I felt like he, he was kind of, he's kind of the guy producing a lot of the offense for the water dogs, whether it be drawing slides and, you know, looking at some of his highlight videos, you, you can tell he can really shoot the ball. And I think what makes him good. So I've only played with him for two weekends is that he, he's a guy that wants to work with you. Not, you don't have to, he, he can set picks, he can shoot the ball. He can kind of do it all. So, um, you know, I think in the last exhibition game, I think he had four goals. So, you know, I, I think, you know, if he, if he has that time and room to shoot, um, he's more than off more times than not, he's going to put the ball in. And I think a lot of it helps with, like you said, being on that Peterborough team, I know he didn't get into a lot of the games, but even just being there and practicing with those guys and seeing what those guys do, you can learn a lot. So I think he's, I think that's kind of been something he's done and, um, you know, being at Denver, a, top program in NCAA but um yeah he's been a hell of he's been a hell of a pickup for us your chemistry with Lyle has been growing year in and year out and you guys spent the summer together uh with the Cannons and the PLL what's your relationship with him like off the floor uh it's great I mean we were roommates this summer we traveled together um you know we were we were going back and forth from Canada I think it was myself um, Lyle and Brody Merrill, we were the only guys in the league to go back and forth every weekend. So I spent a lot of time with Lyle and, you know, just to see what he does for the game off the floor was really eye-opening this summer. He's, he's a hell of a person. Um, he's always laughing. He's always in a good mood. He's, he's probably one of the most positive people I've ever met. Um, so I like, I like to think that our, our off the floor, we're very good friends playing together for the past I think six years now. Um, yeah, and I mean, for me to be to, to be able to play with a player like Lyle's caliber is you know something special and something that I don't take for granted. And something when I'm done playing, I'll look back and say that was uh, you know that I was very lucky to play with a, a a person as talented like that on and off the floor. You mentioned uh, you know six years that you play with him. It's been six years in the league. How has your game evolved since coming into the league as a fresh faced rookie? Um, I, I'm, I, I think I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm the most, you know, jacked guy, but I think I've, my fitness have, has improved since I first came in the league. And each year I just try to, I don't put any personal goals. I just try to do, I know that if I am getting points, then that means that's helping the team win. But every year I kind of, I, I've, I guess I've matured and I know what I need to do game in and game out. And before I would kind of, you know, hype myself up for a game, but now I kind of more relaxed before a game. And then when the game goes, I'm able to, you know, to play the game. I just try as my mindset going in is just as long as I'm working hard and getting those dirty areas, I, you know, a lot of the times my skill will take over, but it's just about getting those areas um, to be able to put the ball in the net. So I think I've done a, 
you know, good job year in and year out of, you know, kind of being consistent. And that's kind of all I've, uh, you know, really wanted to do. Talking about the evolution of your game as a pro, but we'll, we'll take it back even further. You're a guy that started, you know, with intermediate, played junior B with the Green Gales, and then eventually made the jump up to junior A. Uh, what kind of advice would you give to some of those players that maybe don't make their junior A team in the first or the second year uh, of eligibility? Yeah, I'd, I'd say my path to where I am now has been very unconventional. I got cut from the junior B team two years in a row. And then I finally made it as like a call up for the year. And then I played one more full year junior B and then two years of junior A. And, you know, getting cut a lot kind of gives you a chip on your shoulder. And I kind of, you know, a lot of the times some kids get cut and they kind of shy away from it, but I kind of, you know, kind of use it as motivation to get better at my game because you know, I don't want to say I agreed with the coaches when I got cut, but, you know, I, I don't think I was there yet. So, I, I, you know, sometimes a lot of kids, it comes later on. And I would say my biggest advice is just continue to work at your game. Kind of let – as long as you're working on your game, you're getting better and better every time you f- step on that floor. Someone will find you, whether it be if you're looking to go NCAA route or the NLL route. As long as you're working on your game and trying to, you know, just trying to block out the noise outside of that and, – if you do get cut, use it as motivation, use it in a positive way rather than kind of, you know, getting down on yourself and not wanting to, you know, put that effort anymore. I kind of did the opposite where I was, I had kind of had the mentality that I'm going to prove them wrong. And I, I think that's a big factor of why I've been able to have a little bit of success um, in the professional game. All right, Jacko, we're going to uh, flip over here to the power play. We're just going to ask you some random questions real quick. You give us the first answer that comes to your mind. Nothing special, nothing fancy, but uh, first question, who's the greatest athlete of all time? Athlete. Um, I'd say Tom Brady's the, the greatest winner of all time, but I would have to say I mean, Michael Jordan's got to be up there as one of the greatest athletes of all time. Uh, we'll flip it. Who's the best villain, evil villain of all time? In like movies or sports? Yeah. Sports. Or sorry, movies. Oh. Yeah, movies. Oh, the Heath Heath Ledger's the Joker. Yeah. No, well, it's not it's not even a question about that. That's my favorite movie. And what he did in that movie was incredible. So I would say him. Good choice. Uh most underrated player in the NLL. Underrated. Um Damn. Hmm. Um, we'll go, I don't know if he's underrated, but he doesn't, a lot of people don't really talk to him. Robert Church. I think, I think what he does on the floor, he, you know, he, he should be up there every year as talk to one of the best players in our game. So I'd say him. Is it because he's got a bad mustache? Uh, bad mustache, and he's my buddy. So I wanted to make sure that. <laughs> actually, actually, you know what? Another one too is uh, Austin Shanks. I think I think he's gotten better and better every year, and I think he's you know he also growing up with him, seeing where he's come from, also. So I he doesn't get a lot of recognition, but I know he's uh, one hell of a player. Have you ever cheated at a board game? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, what's the strangest thing in your fridge? 
strangest thing in my fridge. Um, and if it's rotting, it counts. I don't know. I always like to have pickles in there because I like drinking the pickle juice. I don't know. That's pretty. <laughs> not Jason Bloom play. used to drink like a jar of pickle juice before every game when he was in Everett. It was crazy. Yeah, I I, I love the taste of it. So. And Good pickleback shot. Yeah, pickleback shot. Pickleback yeah. shot's not bad either. Uh, yeah. Best Bowmanville restaurant. Best Bowmanville restaurant. I'd say it's kind of on. It's I, we won't go Bowmanville, but it's in Newcastle. It's called the Snug. It's like a little Irish bar, but it's just outside of Bowmanville. So I would I would go with the Snug. It's called. All right, last one for me. What's the the TV or movie you most quote from? TV or movie I most quote from. Growing up in junior would have been Trailer Park Boys. Um, <laughs> um, but I'll go Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, nice. Nice. Perfect. All right, buddy. Uh, of course, uh, you win nothing for uh, all these great answers, but appreciate yeah. you uh, participating. You had seven hat or you had hat tricks in your first seven games last year or the shortened season ended up having nine in 12 games. Um, is there any way you can set that pace again this year? Uh, I, I hope, as, I mean, like I said earlier, as I mean, I like my focus is getting to those spots and, you know, when you get into those spots in the crease, those are high scoring chances. Um, but I put a lot of work into, you know, finishing around the crease. I take a lot of pride that, if I had that opportunity, I want I want to be known for that guy's going to put the ball in the net. And he's trusted, so you know it's. I would like to set that pace, obviously, but um, you know as long as our team's winning, um, I don't care. I could go zero and zero, and we get a win. That doesn't really matter to me. But you know when we did play last year, it's kind of I kind of had the hot hand, but. I think I credit that to just, you know, like I said, I always date back to going back to those dirty areas. A um, couple more for you. Uh, how's my boy Owen Russell doing? He's good. He was uh, towards the end of the game. There was a little a little skirmish, and he got popped in the nose, so he had a bloody nose, but he was pumped that we got the win. So he, he wasn't <laughs> – he's been uh, – he, he, I think, in my opinion, he's had a great camp, So and he's a good guy off the floor. Um you're not a big social media guy. Um, I was looking at your Twitter account. Your one of your last tweets is Anthony Calvillo is the real goat. Um, yeah. Please explain. And for those Americans that don't know, let them know who Anthony Calvillo is. Uh, it's kind of like an inside joke that myself, uh, Scott Jones, and Alex Krepensek had when we were in Minnesota, and it just seemed like he played in the league for like 25 years. It seemed like he had those big shoulder pads and. We just always thought it was hilarious. We'd always, you know, exaggerate his stats that he has 108,000 passing yards, 4,000 TDs. <laughs> I don't know. It was just one of those inside jokes where Tom Brady won the Super Bowl and he was getting all the, you know, the goat talk. And I just wanted to give uh, Anthony a little love on Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, has anyone made it to the kangaroo court yet so far? Uh, we haven't uh, had it yet. Halsey's first training camp. He's he's kind of our kangaroo court master. Um, so you and then we use all the fine mon fine money as uh, for a team trip. We usually go to Nashville. So um, I would have to assume the pot's going to be rather heavy after a two year break. But you know it all goes back towards the team, so it's fun. But Halsey does a great job with kangaroo court. 
Uh, well, just, on Nashville, what's what's your favorite spot there? What's the best bar there? I think uh, it's a team consensus that uh, Tootsie's is our favorite one. And we've kind of adopted uh, the Nashville Predators as our favorite team. So we've I think we've been there four or five years in a row. We've been to two Predators games. And uh, Nashville, I think I would say, has won every time we go there. <laughs> that weekend, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a hell of a time. We always go the morning after one of our Friday games or Saturday game. We bus up, and it's always a good trip, team bonding trip. How long is that bus ride? Uh, it's about three and a half, uh, but then you gain an hour going there. So, right. so it's yeah, it's actually perfect. I think this year we're going to try and do it where we just leave right after the game. Joel White lives there, so he kind of you know knows all the places to go, but. You, you can't go wrong going to the strip. You'll find a good spot to go there. Um, can Nashville hang in the NLL, you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, I remember when we were in Minnesota, there's talks about us going there, and we kind of all got excited. But I, I definitely think if they did it the right way and, you know, marketed it the right way, I think it would do very well there. Uh, December 4th, you guys hosting Colorado. How good is it going to feel to play a game again? It's it, after all this, it's kind of you, I've always had the feeling that you never know until it's actually the game. So I don't, I don't want to get it too ahead of myself because with this COVID, you, you actually never know with the border. So, um, but if we do get out there, it'll just, it'll be, a, it'll be a special feeling to have, you know, all of us that play to have it taken away, kind of feel uh, not like stranded, but like helpless because we couldn't, there's nothing any of us could have done to, but to actually be able to play again, um, you know, I definitely don't take the granted or take the game grant for granted anymore. If I'm feeling like I don't want to play, I always think back to, hey, it could get taken away and then look, go back to how you feel like that. But that first game is going to be a special feeling for, you know, not just us, but everyone in the league, everyone in the NLL. So we're, we're very excited to get going. Jack, we appreciate your time, my man. Uh, best of luck with this warm season. We'll see you around the rink soon. And uh, enjoy Florida, my brother. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All the best. Good to see you guys. There is that Shane Jackson, your reigning NLL MVP. And, Patty, you heard him just kind of talking about the chemistry he has with Lyle off the floor and how close they've become. And that has to lead to continued success on the floor as well. Absolutely. And I think especially when you lose guys like Zed Williams, Randy Stotts, other guys that have been around this team for a while, even a guy like Zach Miller, who he said that they're missing him at the start uh, to this season, Miles Thompson as well. So there are a lot of holes to fill. And I think that the chemistry of that core group that they have playing, like even a guy like McIntosh going out the Mm -hmm. front door, like obviously you'd love to him. Um, to be playing transition, but I think having a guy that, you know, is clearly a show that he can play a strict offense, but he knows the system. He knows the guy. There's that familiarity. He's going to be a veteran presence. I think if Georgia is going to have the success that we've seen in the past, um, they're going to have to heavily lean on Shane Jackson. Some of these other guys are going to have to step up, uh, but they could go through some rough times to, to, to start the season. And it's going to be guys like Lyle and Shane Jackson who are going to keep them afloat, not just on the score sheet, uh, but making sure these young guys don't get down on themselves 
knowing that if they do dig themselves a hole early, they can turn things around. They play Georgia at home opening NLL faceoff weekend on the fourth. Um, and then their next four games are on the road at New York, at Philly, at Buffalo, at Rochester. So um, not an easy start for the Georgia swarm. And this thought just literally just came to my mind. Who do you think is most affected in that Eastern division by conjoining that North and Atlantic sort of divisions? Ooh, that's a, that's tough. I mean, I think I, I honestly think that you maybe look at a team like Philadelphia, who was on their way to, you know, potentially winning that division. Obviously they were eight and six, but uh, when things kind of stopped, that's when they were, you know, really starting to pick up some heat and some steam. So I, I think that's, I think that's a really tough question. I even think, you know, a team like the Riptide, uh, made so many changes, brought a lot of pieces in, you think, okay, well, you know, we just have to win a division of four. So if we can climb past two teams, we're good. Now it's a little more convoluted, but yeah. I had to pick one. I think I go the wings, but I yeah. will say, and I don't want to spoil any of my best, best bets for box bets coming up, but they're a team that I think are really going under the radar. And if things can kind of continue to the way that they were starting to trend in the right direction at the end of last year, there's no reason why they can't be competing for that division and potentially a title as well. It's going to be interesting. I think, you know, that, that new England, Georgia, Philly kind of trio really gets into a mess now that they have to battle Halifax, Toronto, Buffalo. Yeah. Right? Like it is. And now that, you know, Rochester's got Kirky in that they, they get even better. So I really think that East is going to be the toughest it has ever been and it's getting even tougher for a lot of these young guys in the national cross league to crack rosters maybe even more so for those fringe guys to crack yeah. national league rosters and um the the weekly transaction wire is starting to heat up it got busy on tuesday even busier on wednesday we're starting to see some surprising names land on that transaction wire maybe the most surprising is Matthew Boisano from New York, who was picked 17th overall, and now he's been flat out released by the Riptide. Is this just a case of a super rookie class of two groups coming in, or do you think Boisano struggled? To be quite honest, if it's the Matthew Boisano that I'm used to watching, uh, you know, at Iroquois Park, night in, night out give you 110% and I'll throw out all the cliches It's a guy that, you know, does all the little things and he's, yes, he's five, six, 175 pounds. So obviously a, a really undersized defender, uh, but he plays big and he doesn't shy away um, from a lot. So I don't know if it was for a lack of effort in camp or getting out compete because the compete level is clearly there. Maybe this is just a guy that was drafted in the old regime and they just don't see what the, the management group saw out of him before. Um, but he's a guy that, like you said, 17th overall, and, and you just flat out, you know, release him. Don't even put him on a, a holdout list or on the practice roster to see if things can work out. This is a guy that I think if it's not this year or maybe not even over the next couple of weeks, if he goes down, plays in the Arena Lacrosse League, he's going to find his way back just because that's the type of player, the type of character he is. And 
I think that there is that there's going to be really tough. You mentioned, I think the the really tough thing is those fringe guys, but some of these young rookies that, that, that it's now that super rookie class with the yeah. two, they're now battling just, you know, double the amount of players mm-hmm. that they're going against. So this year, yes, it's going to be tough to crack the roster, but if they can stick to it, Next year, there's going to be more expansion coming in with Las Vegas. There's going to be some more spots coming up. And with what Nick Sakevich, the commissioner of the National Lacrosse League, has said is more expansion is coming. So, yes, your time isn't ready right now, but guys like Boissonneau are certainly too talented to not be in the league. Maybe not this year, but in upcoming seasons. Uh, Curtis Conley cut from the Mammoth. Cam Milligan released from Rochester. Scott Delzado released from Toronto. Uh, Derek Downs. Got released again. That guy's having troubles finding a place to stay after a good year uh, in Calgary and New England. Um, and then Koichi Nakamura get, gets cut. And I know we are all on the signed Koichi train. And uh, we were all thoroughly stoked for him when he got signed by Toronto. And he was even at a camp. And um, we talked to Reed Reinhold. You'll hear that interview coming up a little bit. And, and he was impressed with Koichi's demeanor and the way he played and, and his little backhand. But I think that this means that TD Ireland is going to be ready and that they don't need Koichi to maybe fill in that face-off role because in the Rocks' first game, they got to play, they got to face off against Nardella, Wiz, and uh, Baptiste in their first few games. So they need to have a draw guy. So I think this maybe opens the door for uh, TD Ireland to come and make a debut in the NLL. I think it certainly opens the case. And I know that we have heard that, you know, from Matt Sawyer, from Bruce Codd, and even, you know, from Jamie Dowick, that they much prefer Brad Cree not taking faceoffs. Even though he's a pretty good faceoff guy, they find that when he's logging minutes on the penalty kill, you know, sometimes on the draw team, picking up those loose balls, and then, of course, playing heavy minutes against some of the top uh, offensive players uh, of their opponents, they get more out of them when he's using a lot of energy. Like you said, especially when you're playing Jake Withers, um, you know, Joe Nardella, when you're going up against guys that are probably going to win the face off anyways, why would you send your best player to just gas himself? Not best players are one of your best defenders gas themselves out. So when you can get a, an actual face off guy, a guy like TD Erland, who clearly is shown in the field game, he is, one of, if not the best draw guys, if he can kind of figure things out and and mm-hmm. play a little bit of a five on five shift, um, I don't see why you can't at least give it a shake. And this obviously shows, like you said, that he is close uh, to being ready. NLL.com slash news slash transactions where you can keep up on all the information going around. Uh, last couple of weeks, one of the big news was Reese Dutch getting picked up by Halifax. You've seen him firsthand. How it is Clutch Dutch looking in purple and orange? And that is a right side that is deeper than most. Um, does he crack that roster by the end of the week, by the end of next week? I think he does. And I think the reason why he will is because we saw come through, it didn't come through the NLL transaction wire, but it came through Halifax's press release that Mike Burke Mm. uh, was released today. So that's one of those righties out of the equation. So I think Dutch, he looked great. Obviously it was not a good performance for Halifax in that exhibition game, but they had a ton of young guys in that roster. Their main goal was try to see some of these young guys 
And then obviously LeBlanc and Dutch were two guys on offense that got a lot of touches as well. And they looked like they had some good chemistry um, going East and West with uh, you know, the ball movement, especially coming off the bench and transition. I think he's going to be a guy that anytime he stepped on the floor, he puts the ball in the net. He is a guy that puts up points. And this is obviously clearly a team in Halifax that knows that, you know, they have a small window here with some of their older players, not getting any younger. They have a championship window here. And I think they see that bringing in a guy like uh, Dutch who has championship pedigree. Uh, and I think he knows that he was brought here to help win a championship. And unfortunately for Mike Burke, he's the odd man out. Um, and they're going to have some more difficult decisions uh, with who's going to be just even in that, that lineup, Clark yeah. Peterson, Austin Shanks. Uh, uh, they also have, you know, Stephen Keogh and then obviously Dutchie as well too. And Burke was that number five, righty And Bushy. And Bushy. <laughs> and Bushy is a guy that every time he's in the lineup, he puts the ball in the net. Yeah. And he has been so impressive in camp. He was great in the PVO game, the purple versus orange game. And he's a guy that might not find himself in an everyday spot. And in my personal opinion, he is an everyday NLR. Yeah. And so they've made their decision on Burke. He's unfortunately not going to be there. And I think I like the move uh, by getting rid of him right now, because this now allows him to go out and maybe see if he can stick on another team. Because I'll be honest, Mike Burke is a guy that has hung around professional lacrosse for mm -hmm. a long time. And he finally got on a team to a couple of seasons ago when they were in Rochester and he looked great. And last year he was a real glue guy. He's a guy that, you know, did all the little things you, you, you wouldn't notice him a ton some nights on the floor, but then you look at the stat sheet and he finished with five assists, but it was those, those assists where he gets the ball to another player goes down, sets a real hard pick and frees up space uh, for a player for an outside shot, or he's picking up the loose ball in the corner. And, and, and he's a guy that's always chatting on the bench. And, and it's going to be unfortunate that they don't have a guy like that, um, you know, in Mike Burke, but they have so many other veterans that they can afford to lose them. But a team like Panther city, a team like Rochester, a team, you know, uh, any of those, those teams would be very happy to have a veteran guy like Mike Burke in their lineup. It will be interesting to see what happens when all is said and done. And I, I think it's good for these GMs to start trimming rosters now, because not only does it makes their job easier getting closer and closer to roster deadline on the 28th, but it also gives these guys an opportunity to still go somewhere and get a shot yeah. at making a roster because, you know, that's always the thing for general managers is you're obviously, you're obviously going to cut some guys after each and every week but you're also seeing who's still out there and who maybe you might be able to snag in your net and pull in. And it will be very interesting to see what happens on November 28th when all rosters are due by 8 p.m. Eastern time. There are still lots of decisions to be made. Teams have to be down to 21 runners and four practice players uh, by the time those rosters are due. And like we kind of mentioned, with two rookie classes coming in, um, a quality stable of proven veterans now kind of really coming into their own. Uh, it's making jobs and choices harder and harder each and every week for these general managers. I do not envy them at all. Um, all right. Oh, we, um, one more thing. Uh, Chad Cummings, captain in Panther City. You like that move? Kind of surprised I me. It was definitely surprising, but I think, uh, you know, 
dating back to the start of my Greggy's Grinders uh, articles with Isle Indoor, I think if you go back and check, uh, he spent a lot of time in those articles. And I've been a big fan of his game. And I've, you know, he's a big, athletic, strong kid. Um, obviously, was kind of pursuing the hockey dream for a little bit. And then, you know, he finally committed to lacrosse. And that's when I think we saw his game go up to the next level. And he's a guy that you've, you know, whenever you talk to someone, they always say, Chad Cummings, big team guy, great guy. But I was kind of surprised to see with some of the other veterans on that team that yeah. he was named captain. So I think what they wanted to do was establish a younger guy that who also has been around the league for a while, but can grow with the fan base. Um, and I think that's a great move. I think he's a great player. I think he's a, you know, he's a guy that fans are going to like because he's rough, tough, not afraid to mix things up. And obviously he's made a big enough impact in this short time of training camp um, that Tracy Koleski and this leadership group has said, you know what, he's going to be our guy. He's going to lead us. And he's the guy that we want our fan base to see as our leader for the first time when we hit the floor at Dickey's arena. Um, played all but uh, two games for the Roughnecks in his four-year career. Um, has 10 points in four years, uh, 6'5", 220, just an absolute monster of a young man. And for all those that I've talked to around the Calgary circles, um, they really loved him. Um, and I think he's going to be a great fit for Panther City. I think he's a great spot as a captain. Give a guy an opportunity. That's what expansion franchises are about, right? New identity, New franchises, giving guys opportunity. Yeah, they could have given it to Benny, right? They could have said, hey, Ryan, I'm an SGR guy. But I think, like you said, they want to find a guy that's going to be around for quite some time, a young guy that can really, they can rally this organization around. And I think it's a, an absolutely wonderful decision to give Chad that C. Speaking of C's, it stands for cool bet. Let's bring in the box bets. Patty's favorite segment. And we do this all because of him. Hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Um, may the odds be ever in your favor. Yes, that is right. Uh, CoolBet Canada alongside us here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. And uh, this is really made special. This is like your baby. Um, how many props are like, are, are we going to see like wild, outrageous props, you think? Or are we just going to stick with, you know, um, you know, the ones we've got already, you know, goal totals for different guys, uh, point totals, who's going to make the final stuff like that. We just, even one for the Alterna Cup. Um, how much deeper do you think we're going to get in all this? So for our preseason futures that you can go, go up on coolbet.com right now. I think that is going to be the extent of, of the, uh, you know, goals, player goals. Um, we've got player points as well. Um, as you mentioned, winner of the NLL cup to clinch the top overall record to reach the NL cup finals, both the division winners. And then of course, like you said, the Alterna cup, which is coming back, which is the top Canadian team. So for, Preseason odds, yes, that that's probably it that we're going to do. But one thing that we do pride ourselves at CoolBet is if there is a prop, there's a player that you don't see there, uh, and you would really, really like to get an, a prop on. Hit us up, let us know, 
we'll try our best to put that prop together. I don't know if we're at the point yet where we're going to have crazy Super Bowl props mm. or anything like that, what color the Gatorade's going to be. Uh, but we're excited at, at Cool Bet. Uh, you know, to, we've got some exciting news coming, you know, very soon, um, you know, partnering with with a team in the league. And, and we're super excited about that. But, you know, it is an exciting time in the sports gaming industry. And it's exciting time that, you know, the National Lacrosse League is opening their arms to this aspect of this of sports. And I, to be honest, if, if you're not doing it, you're doing yourselves a disservice Ooh. because this is a big part of sports and entertainment. And we're here for it. Um, so let's go into it. Uh, odds to reach the cup final Saskatchewan, uh, and Halifax at the top plus 280. Uh, Toronto and San Diego come in next at plus 300, Philadelphia plus 320. Um, all the way down to Panther City at plus 7,500. But the one I like the most, the one I'm going to sprinkle a little juice on, as they say, Calgary plus 1500. I just don't think people understand that Calgary is going to be good. I think people are sleeping on them. I, I tend to agree. And I see both sides. I, I totally get it. You know, you lose Dane Dolby um, and that's probably the biggest thing. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks on that offense, but there's also some exclamation marks on, on that team. Mm-hmm. The exclamation mark is they still have Curtis Dixon. Yep. They still have Christian Delbianco, yep. who is arguably the best goalie in the league and still very young. And the other thing is their defense is pretty well, stayed intact with you know the subtraction of Tyson Bell and I'm sure I'm missing a couple well, of they there, lost but... Salama they lost Kalnick they lost Cummings so, so they've lost some there. bodies right they've, they've lost, lost some bodies, bodies but they've replenished the cupboards Ooh, so, you know absolutely. they've done a pretty good job um drafting well so yes you're getting a ton a ton of value you know at plus uh what is would you say it was 35 1500 there you go so um, no, how that's yeah, no, plus 1500 is for them to just make the finals, and yeah. I think there's some even value on that. But, um, you know, 3500 is for them to, to win the NL Cup, oh, sure, yeah, a little better. sprinkle there. But I just think when you look at some of the other teams in the West, um, you know, the Rush obviously heavy favorites as they are every single mm-hmm. year. Um, San Diego, obviously, with the loss of, of Stotts, that's tough, but they should still be a very tough team, Colorado. They've done some great additions in the offseason, bringing Zed Williams in. And I think even a team like Vancouver, um, they're obviously going to be much better on offense as well. Uh, but when you look from a pure value standpoint, if you have Del Bianco in that and you have a game changer like Dixon, I like that bet. I might have to sprinkle a little bit with you as well. We didn't even mention Zach Couriers on that team, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever heard of maybe, him? Maybe one of the best players all around in the world. Yeah, exactly. So. I do agree with you. I think they are getting very, very disrespected. I see both sides, but I don't think they should be this low. And I think uh, this is definitely one of the best value plays on the board. I think this, this play here for me, and I don't know if you want me to jump in and say one of my, my best. Yeah, absolutely. That's this again, this is your segment bro. I think it's obviously, (laughs) it's obviously not as juicy as the odds that you said, but you know, getting the, Buffalo Bandits at plus 850. So, you know, even if you throw just a measly $10, you're win- you know, you're winning uh 85. So, that that's a good bet there. I mean, you can even sprinkle a little bit more, but you with the Bandits, I mean, that offense that they're returning plus, you know, bringing in TN1, 
Dale Gananikoke, Connor Fields, uh, and then also you have Matt Mintz, who, mm-hmm. you know, as an older goalie, maybe you're a little bit afraid that he's not going to be able to bounce back. But hey, guess what? It's Matt Vince. He's the best goalie ever play. He's in incredible shape. And I, I would be crazy to doubt that he's not going to come back, um, you know, as hungry as ever. He wants to finish his career, you know, with an NLL Cup in Buffalo. I think he can do it. And at plus 850, I think the odds are great considering, you know, you could probably say their biggest competition in that division are Halifax and Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're at plus 500 and plus 600. So you're getting a lot more value on your dollar at the plus 850. See, I wish plus 850 meant that I won 850 bucks, not just 85 bucks. <laughs> well, if you throw down 100, you wouldn't. Uh, yeah, but Pat, <laughs> I'm just a simple island guy. I don't have that kind of money. Hey, hey, you know what? It's, you know, that's that's our motto. motto stay cool, bet responsibly. Bet responsibly. So bet within your limits. And that's the thing that's that's fun about this as well. You know, we're going to have odds for, for the game. So we're yeah. going to have spread. We're going to have money line. Who just thinks wins straight up? We're going to have a little bit of player props for games as well. The total over under. Um, so that's going to be exciting. I think, you know, if you, if you want to dive into some of these, these player goal totals, um, I mean, the juice isn't great, uh, but Keegan ball at over 15 and a half at what? minus one twenty five is insane. Didn't he score like, didn't he score six in the game last year or last season? Like he, he had an unbelievable year and yes, they've added a couple of more pieces, but 15 and a half, he could hit that before the halfway mark. Um, I love that there. I think there's a ton of value. Obviously it started at minus minus one eighteen, So that means that, you know, people have already started to hit that line as well. So that that's one that I really, really like. I think there's a lot of value um, on that one there, uh, looking at it as well, Jeff Teed at 32 and a half. That's another one. And obviously it's a bit of a gamble. He's a rookie, but what we've seen every single time he steps into a new league, why is he not going to, you know, exceed our expectations that are already so, so high. He led MSL in scoring in his first year, um, which, I mean, it's a good chunk of the same players that he's going to be going up against. Um, it's just whether, is he going to be more of a distributor on that team or is he going to be more of a goal scorer with Callum Crawford on the other side? And I, I know both of them have the ability to put the ball in the net and be playmakers, but uh, you know, he could still finish with, you know, 85 points and not hit that 32 and a half, but I, I, at the value there, I'm taking the over. I really like that bet as well. Uh, for the record, Keegan ball had six assists in one game has never scored more than three didn't score more than three in the game last year, but had 13 goals in 13 games. So that's good enough for a goal a game. So I have a feeling he he gets over 13 and a half easily. Yeah, 15 and a half, but still, I think he, 15 he gets over half, yeah. that. I think, I, think, I think, you know, 20 and a half, 25 and a half probably would have been a little more the number that you'd be looking at. But, hey, yeah. I think what the, the line of thinking is that there were some other players brought into the fold, uh, and then maybe he's not going to get the opportunities that he did see last year as well. Coolbet.com slash CA slash sports slash lacrosse. I know it's a lot, but it's pretty simple and 
makes sense. I will take you right to the NLL odds page on coolbet.com. Um, as Patty said, bet responsibly, stay cool, all that good stuff. And next week we'll have even more odds and more props to get you set for NLL opening weekend. And before we do end this segment, oh. if you are new to cool bet and you want to get in on the action and especially with lacrosse, Use bonus code OTCB, and we will double double your first deposit up to $200 Canadian. So that's bonus code OTCB, and we will double that first deposit. Of course, it is for first-time members. So if you are already using CoolBet, hit me up. Maybe I'll be able to give you some other promo that we can get you going there. But it is exciting to be a lacrosse fan this year, and it's even more exciting to be a lacrosse fan on CoolBet. CoolBet.com slash CA slash sports slash lacrosse. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. I wonder if the NLLPA has any stipulations on placing bets. Do you think that's a thing? you think guys are going to want to get in on this? There's got, I would have to assume that they are unable to do that. <laughs> Nobody's Pete Rose in it out there. <laughs> yeah. No, that is definitely something that they will not be able to do. But if they want to use cool bet to bet on some football, by all means, you can use that promo code, but stay away from the lacrosse tab. Please <laughs> and thank you. Uh, we didn't ask NLLPA uh, Vice President Reed Reinhold about that, but we did ask him a lot of things. We caught up with him a couple of weeks ago before The Rock had their second weekend of training camp. This is one-on-one with the new VP the NLLPA, Reed Reinhold, right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by the VP of the NLLPA. He's a member of the Toronto Rock, living out west. Reed Reinhold, brother, how are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, how's things? You are yes. out west. You're you're kind of back, bouncing back and forth between Toronto and BC. Uh, how's things going for you? It's pretty good. Starting to get busy now that we have camp uh, gearing up. I'm kind of spending yeah a week I can. Um, not going there this weekend because uh, we knew I wasn't playing in this scrimmage, so I was there the past week and. Um, back home this week and then I'll, I'll finish up with getting our last two scrimmages in how was that first week of camp for you guys obviously you know it's it's been a while since since we've been on the floor and it's been a while since the guys have had sticks in their hands but how did it feel being out on the turf uh for the first couple sessions with the rock it was good i i was honestly pretty impressed that it didn't feel like we missed much of a beat there um a couple new faces uh, a couple guys we got through trades and and some rookies and things like that and um those guys brought a bit of a breath of fresh air to the team. Um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed with the compete level, um, our ability to get through the weekend with pretty much no injuries. And uh, yeah, just everybody was in good shape and, uh, and smiling. Obviously, uh, you know, you guys were practicing out of the track, which is nothing new, but this year um, you guys are going to be shifting over to Hamilton. Um, what's the vibe with the team with, uh, with a new, a new home, a new building, and also listening uh, to Jamie Dalek a little bit earlier, a new room coming as well too. Yeah. I've uh, had a bit of a sneak peek at what the floor plan might look like for the, uh, the new room. And that's pretty exciting. We'll have our, our own place, our logo on the ground and 
and things like that, rather than being in um, essentially the, the visiting room for a lot of NHL clubs and NBA clubs. Um, but yeah, the vibe's really good. Everyone's really excited to check out Hamilton. Uh, I think it's a good strategic move for our team. There's a lot of young families in, in East Toronto and there's good access with the GO train. Um, and then obviously being the primary tenant there is, uh, is really beneficial too. And, and all Saturday nights, which is a super rare thing for us. Yeah. Saturdays are huge. Um, you know, in any league for any team, getting those Saturday nights it is massive for your group. How important, you know, I've heard guys talk about this, but getting in a rhythm of always having that home Saturday night, how important is that as a player? Yeah, I think that's really important, uh, especially considering we're, we're mostly part-time guys with other jobs. It, for me, coming out from the West Coast, it makes travel a little bit easier um, rather than a Friday or a Sunday. Um, and so it does help you get, you know, you finish your work week off on Friday, you have all Saturday to prepare. Um, so a Saturday is definitely beneficial. Obviously, you know, you, you know, haven't hit the floor as a team in, 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 you know, two years or up until training camp coming up here, you know, you can work out as hard as you want. You can go as many runs, you can go in the gym as much. How hard is it to keep that quote unquote lacrosse shape and, how challenging was it the first time you stepped on that turf and got right into, you know, five on five action? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. It's, you, you can't really replicate lacrosse gameplay. Um, you can do your interval training on your, on your treadmill, or you can go for runs and things like that and, and play pickup lacrosse, but nothing really replicates exactly how lacrosse is. Um, so it was tough for sure. We didn't have a whole lot of offensive players um, at our camp and we were a little bit overloaded with defense. So um, offense in particular was, was doing a lot of reps, um, but it was good. It, it was good to kind of get that feeling back again. We hopped right into one-on-ones, then two-on-twos, three-on-threes and five-on-five. So um, definitely not a shortage of reps and uh, it was good trying to get back into game shape in, in the proper way. You mentioned some of the new guys. Um, one of the newest is Koichi, uh, the face-off product. Uh, it's an unbelievable story. Um, the first, you know, I believe first Asian-born player to be signed in the National Lacrosse League. It's just a, a very cool story. Um, did you get a chance to talk to him? How's he kind of fitting in? What was it like seeing him on the floor for the first time? Yeah, it was great. Um, he's been around the track a lot. He gets there early in the morning. And, and leaves there pretty late. I think he's putting in probably more than a, a regular work day at the track there. Um, and he's here to play lacrosse. And so he's been super focused, working out in the gym with the guys, shooting on the floor with the guys when he gets a chance. His, uh, his wife comes out on the floor and helps get a lot of the rebounds off the end boards and feeds <laughs> them back to him too. She has a good stick as well. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty fun to, to get to know him better. Um, I would say he's a, he's more than just a face-off guy. He plays a little offense. He's got a heck of a backhand and um, yeah, it's been an absolute treat having him around. Yeah. I saw that video that uh, your guy's social team post on a little BTB. It was, it was nice. He's got some slick mitts. I've, I've got to say that, but continuing with the theme of, you know, some new faces, two guys that, you're probably happy you don't have to go up against in in, in uh, Jason Noble and then Mitch Disnew. How big is it getting guys uh, like that on your back end while you already had arguably one of the best defenses in the National Lacrosse League? Yeah, our defense is pretty scary now, I think. Um, 
especially those guys being lefties. Um, that's an additional kind of bonus with those guys. I know, uh, I know Jay used to give Tom Schreiber heck every time we played in Georgia and was just all over him. So I'm sure Tom's pretty happy about that as well. And, uh, Mitch is a super smart player and, and physical and uh, both of those guys are just a pleasure to have around the room. Um, they're both comfortable as well. A lot of familiar faces for them being uh, Oakville rock guys as well. So they fit in very seamlessly so far. You guys are, are pretty solidly deep with your left-handers. You know, you got yourself, Danny Craig, uh, Paulus is there. My boy, Zach Manns is there. Um, this is a, a good young group of hard grinding forwards. What do you like about that left side of your offense that may not get as much attention as the other side? Yeah, we have uh, another couple of rookies trying out right now too that have that have kind of been fitting in well and, and moving bodies and, and playing off picks well. Um, I think that we work really well together. I've been building chemistry with Dan Craig for a couple of years now, and uh, I feel like we're on the same page on kind of how we like to play and what types of looks each other likes and uh it's great when you're coming through the middle our right side is so good that if you're open you're getting the ball and so that's always a treat and, and motivating to continue to go through the middle um yeah i think uh i think we're gonna be very solid over there and um zach manns is obviously a great fit as well good island boy um for you and i've got to know him a little bit better spending some time at uh the rock house where he's living with the rest of the guys. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a treat as well. Is that rock house just a fraternity or, or what's going on? There? <laughs> yeah. It feels like it a little bit. And Rosie's the leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All his roommates are, are, are getting younger and he just keeps getting older, but no, in, in all honesty, it's awesome watching them uh, on, on Instagram and, and social. It looks like a, like an unbelievable time. A guy that obviously spent some time there as well, Challen Rogers. How special has it been watching his game over the years go from a very solid transition player to one of the best transition players in the league, now to someone that you could argue uh, as one of the best overall players in the game of cross? Yeah, it's, it's been amazing. And for me in particular, it's been cool because I've known him since we went to high school together in Coquitlam and, and everything like that. We had, I don't know how it worked out, but we had electronics together at some point in high school. And um, he, has, he has grown an enormous amount. I didn't realize how much his, uh, his shoulder was kind of holding him back for a couple of years there when he needed surgery, but was kind of pushing it off. And then now that he's gotten that taken care of, he's, he's taken another step forward. And I, I don't know if he'll ever leave the floor. Like he could, <laughs> he could play the entire game. I'm pretty sure he's in incredible shape. He's been at the track every day, working out, running, shooting. Like the guy is one of the most well-rounded players. I think there is out there, if, if not the most well-rounded player. Um, yeah, it, it's been amazing. And he's also become quite a leader as well. Like he was always a, a pretty quiet guy and, and reserve, but he's feeling more and more comfortable in that, in that leadership role. And it's really exciting to see, especially as a, a friend as well. We talk about new faces. Um, the Prairie dog is not there anymore. Blaine Manning has moved on for, for some family and personal reasons um, was a legend for the rock for years. Uh, I played with him in Victoria, just a, an absolute beauty was Blaine Manning, but now you bring in Rusty Krug, you bring in Colin Doyle. What's it like having, two new faces to help run that offense, but two guys that are very familiar with the rock and the NLL. 
It's been great. Yeah. I think Colin being at practice raises the intensity just by, just by being there. Um, his presence is, is awesome. And, and Rusty's been great to bounce ideas off of there, throwing plays at us, you know, from the day one. And so it's been, it's been a nice, uh, nice change. I really enjoyed Blaine as well as, as our coach and we're, we're going to miss him, but it's been fun uh, getting to know some new coaches, learning a few new things, a couple new minor things you can do on offense to get yourself open. Um, yeah, I always like learning from new people and, and picking their brains. So that's been great. This isn't really a knock on Blaine, but when I was looking at, at stats from the shortened season, you guys had one of the the worst power plays in the national lacrosse. Like I think you guys were second to last. It might've just been because Tom missed a few games and you guys were switching personal re- personnel around. What do you think it was your struggle um, in the 1920 season when you guys just couldn't click on that power play? Yeah, it's, I'd say a large part of it is just personnel changes. I don't know if we had the same offensive lineup from one game to the next. It seemed like it was constantly changing. Um, I know I came in this partway through the season because I was finishing up my articling and trying to find a way to balance lacrosse and, and my other job. And so um, I think a large part was just not being able to practice with a consistent group of guys. Um, but also I think we got stagnant at times and, you know, we're maybe cutting through, we are hoping the ball would do all the work, but um, I think that's going to be a bit more of a focus leading up to this season and throughout the season this year. You talk about focus. Was there anything that you kind of dialed in yourself in this off season to, you know, obviously fitness is clearly the number one thing on everyone's list when you haven't played a game in, in two years, but was there something that you really wanted to focus on from a lacrosse standpoint to make you a better player coming into this year? Yeah. I've just tried to focus on increasing the bag of tricks and, and shots and, and things that I can, I can do. I've, you know, I've been trying to watch film and, and watch guys who are really good off ball because we have a lot of ball handlers on our team. So I'm always trying to improve the, the off ball game. Um, so watching guys like Randy stats, I find is, is really good off ball. And I've been kind of watching him and some of the, the little movements he does that make a huge difference. Um, during camp, I've tried focusing a bit more on being patient and letting the game come to you, especially in, in camp and practice, it seems like things are always moving really fast. Defenses are kind of sloughed in a bit more and giving you the outside shot. So just being patient, drawing them out and, uh, you know, using them against themselves a little bit. Um, those types of things, I guess. Uh, you're rocking the new NLLPA hat. Uh, we mentioned off the top, you are the new VP along with uh, Zach Courier, who's the president. How has your role been so far? Obviously, when you took this role over, we were rolling right through the pandemic and there wasn't a lot going on. Um, but what's been the focus for you guys in the last you know, few months leading up to the season as the leaders of the PA? Yeah, a lot of it's been working with the league, trying to nail down COVID protocols, COVID policies, a whole bunch of things that we haven't had to tackle before, not just Zach and I, but the union in general. So that's been the last couple months, a lot of negotiations there back and forth, bouncing ideas off of trainers and doctors and, and trying to figure out what's a good balance of managing risk um, on the team's behalf, managing risks for the players, and then also health and safety. Um, so that's been the focus the last couple of months throughout this whole year. It's been building a, a working relationship with the league. Um, and I think that's been going really well. We, we get along well with, with Jessica and Max and Nick. 
um, and everybody else from the league. We've been trying to work together on a number of items, social media stuff and, and kind of broadcasting and enjoying the game and trying to act as a conduit to the players in order to, to build together. Um, we've been trying to work on sort of some transparency to the, to the players, uh, having a bit more um, involvement with our player reps, more frequent meetings, um, those types of things, I guess. You mentioned some COVID protocols and obviously, um, you know, you can keep your fingers crossed, uh, you know, going through the season, hopefully someone doesn't end up on a COVID protocol list, but has there been any sort of discussion um, of a plan of attack to have maybe a larger practice roster this year? So if there is some sort of case where someone has to go inactive, um, teams can kind of have a larger list of players that they can go to? There, there has been some discussion around that. Um, I think that's a, another piece to kind of managing teams' risks. Um, in case they do have a bit of an outbreak. Um, I know they're trying to get a bit of a pool of players as well available in case there's even more than the practice roster can kind of take over, especially if it's an American team and you're looking for a Canadian guy and you have P1 issues and things like that. So um, that is a discussion that's ongoing. Um, hopefully it'll be settled in the next couple of weeks here. Uh, just recently in the last couple of weeks, uh, it was announced that, um, the PA has opted out of the current CBA with the league and, um, you know, right away people are like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Are we headed towards a lockout? It's always that unknown for fans that kind of don't know the inner workings of things, but why opt out now? Why not wait until the, the CBA is over? Well, we felt that we would make a lot more progress in this next year by opting out than we would have if we didn't. And progress is what we're looking for at this point. Um, we have a lot of confidence that ourselves in the league is going to be able to nail something out. And, you know, if we have to sign a short bridge deal because we've made a lot of progress on a number of other items, then we're, we're happy to do that as well. But we're in the process of working towards a, a long-term CBA and we want to make a lot of progress this year. Um, we're going to have some mandatory bargaining sessions because we opted out. And I think through that and through our weekly meetings with the league, we're going to be able to really start to move the ball forward this next year. As a lawyer, um, when you look at the CBA, how does it read to you? Um, I think it could use some work. Um, I think both sides have, have sort of figured that out. Um, parts of it are a little bit dated. Um, and just needs a bit more wordsmithing, but we have a working draft going with the league and, and we're kind of starting to chip away at a lot of the provisions that are in there um, and just kind of expand it to be a, a bit more encompassing, I guess. When you and, and Zach Curry are put your name forward, how important was it for you guys, but also the, the PA um, as a whole to have representation at the top by players and players that are currently in the league? We felt like it was really important. We thought that if we had players in those roles, the access would be way better and, the, and people's ability to just kind of feel comfortable picking up the phone and reaching out to us because, you know, we're, 
we're colleagues, we're teammates, we're friends with a lot of the guys. And I think before us, it was, you know, maybe you got a little bit more nervous to go ask one of those questions that Peter and Dave, who've been in those roles for a really long time or something like that. But now I think guys are picking up the phone more and more often and uh, reaching out, whether it's a minor question or, or a larger one, we're happy to always answer, always, always be available. And uh, we're going to continue to be like that. One of the biggest stories that came um, in the off season was, was the news of TSN and ESPN jumping on board. Uh, how involved was the PA in some of those discussions or how that, you know, came about and, from a player standpoint, how excited are you that you're going to be playing on those big networks? I'll, I'll answer your, your second question first. Very excited. <laughs> um, I think that uh, it's a great opportunity to get more eyes on the sport. Digital is important, but I think there's still a huge core group of people who are, who are watching on linear television. And that's just a way to open their eyes to what else is available out there. And so I think it's a huge stepping stone for our, our league. Um, the PA wasn't super involved in those conversations. That's mostly a, a league management, right? Um, but we offered support at any point if they needed it. Uh, happy to hop in on phone calls and and show to the third parties that there is, you know, a strong relationship here. There's labor peace um, and everything like that. So we're we're always happy to offer a helping hand. Um, but the league largely handled that. Um, when I was listening to back of bird, back of the bird the other week, they were talking about Randy Stotts's injury and, and whether or not, you know, him being on the IR counted towards his three-year contract. Does that count? Does, does, would this year count as one year towards his contract if he's on IR? Yeah. So each contract is, is written by the year. Um, and so it'll naturally progress, um, so this year will count as, as a year under his contract. Um, so if they continue to keep him on IR, he'll receive his, his 66 or 67% right. um, throughout the year for the, the contract he signed this year. Okay. Um, one last one on, on the PA stuff for you. Uh, are you guys in contact with any of the other PAs and their, you know, heads of the unions just to kind of, you know, find some cohesion between the leagues? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's super helpful that all the PAs are always in contact with each other and especially the major ones are always happy to lend a helping hand. Um, the PHPA, the MLBPA, NFLPA, all those guys are, are always open. It was interesting for me this year joining an NFLPA workers' compensation panel and there was a moment for every uh, players association to kind of talk for 15, 20 minutes about the struggles they had gone through throughout the past year, how COVID affected them and, and everything like that. So I, from that one day kind of Zoom conference, I learned a ton from the other um, PAs and we all have each other's contact information. And um, yeah, it's a very supportive community. I, I didn't really realize. Were they like, who the heck is the NLLPA? <laughs> a little bit, but at the same time, I think Jason's been presenting at that. Um, Jason Jaros, our general right. counsel, has been presenting at the workers' compensation panel for a number of years now. Um, it sounded like he might want to pass the torch on to me at some point, but I'll probably watch him at least once more to continue <laughs> to learn <laughs> from him. Patty, you got anything else, bud? 
I'm good. I'm good. That that's well. I actually know. Uh, so Chris. Chris Paul, any dinners with Chris Paul then, I guess, since he's the president of the, uh, the, the NBA PA? No dinners with him yet, but he's also not in that role anymore. Um, oh. MJ McCollum, I'm going to mess up his last name, MJ McCollum, I think, or something. CJ like McCollum, yeah. Yes, CJ McCollum. McCollum, yeah, he's the new, uh, new president over there. But Chris Paul did a, a heck of a job, and he was one of the guys that kind of motivated Zach and I to believe that we could handle these roles. and. Um, and that we would be good for them. Uh, Reed, this has been awesome, my man. Uh, very insightful. Uh, I know a lot of people obviously wondering, you know, behind the scenes working of the PA. And again, like I said, you can't give out too much information because these discussions are ongoing, but uh, really appreciate you opening up and, and give us an insight um, into the kind of the inner workings of the PA. I got one last thing for you. We, we see a lot of people in the NLL say, you know what, Toronto gets a good rap because all those guys want to go home and play in Toronto. They want to play for the hometown team. Have you, in your, you know, free agency conversations, have you wanted to or made any efforts to go back to BC and, and be a warrior? I have not. Um, I've been treated extremely well by the Toronto Rock organization and Jamie, and I love the group of guys that are there. I really think we have a great chance of winning. Um, and so that hasn't even crossed my mind yes. to be completely honest. Um, I'm all in with the, with the rock and, um, yeah, I haven't thought of anybody else. Absolutely. Uh, December 4th rock firewolves TSN first game in Hamilton first game back on TSN in a long time. How stoked are you? I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> This has been awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, best luck, and uh, we'll see you in Hamilton, buddy. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Talk soon. Great chatting with Reed uh, of the Toronto Rock. Again, Rock open up with Albany at home in Hamilton, December 4th. And as we found out today, on Wednesday, that will be the very first game of the TSN schedule which should be an absolute banger of a game. And I know there's a lot of people um, just talking around the rink in Vancouver at the LEC over the weekend. A lot of people were saying they don't think Albany is going to be very good. Now, is that just based solely on the fact that they lost Callum and they lost Steph LeBlanc, you think? I th that's the only re logical reason yeah. to me. That because if that that if that's what you think, and uh, if you want to go to lacrosseflash.com, I wrote a, a season preview uh, for the Albany Firewolves, and I I didn't want I don't want to say because it it might come off as I'm saying losing Callum Crawford is a good thing because mm -hmm. it's not because it is going to be very difficult to replace all those points. Uh, but with that being said, it might not be the worst thing for some of those other players on the roster, because as we know, Callum Crawford is a guy that likes the ball in his stick. He's the mm. one who likes to drive the offense. Uh, he's the guy that is the quarterback. So th the way that the Albany offense likes to predicate and like or predicates themselves is sharing the ball. Um, scoring by committee. And I think this year they're going to actually be able to deploy that offense because they don't have Callum Crawford, who is a guy that demands the ball and wants the touches. And that isn't a bad thing because he puts the points up and he's able to do it. Yeah. But with that being said, now they can kind of implement that scoring by committee and guys like Joe Ress, guys like 
Riley O'Connor, Andrew Q, they're going to get more touches. They're going to get more chances to put the ball in the net. So maybe they don't have a guy that's going to be getting close to 100 points like Callum Crawford, but maybe they'll have a couple of guys who will be closer to 80, maybe three guys, maybe another guy that's in the 70s. So, And if they can still get elite goaltending by Dougie Jamison, then, yeah, they're going to be a competitor. Uh, Callum Crawford, Cephalbonk put up 111 points in 11 games for the Black Wolves 18 months ago. That was good enough for like 33% of their entire offense. So I, <laughs> I can see, yeah, I can see tough. how people, I can definitely see how people are saying that, but it'll be very interesting to see how it actually happens. I, I think more people are are bullish on Toronto being very good than they are on Albany. What do you think? Toronto's strengths are this year being a guy that's kind of seen that team uh for a number of years I mean I think it it, it it's a no-brainer and it's that defense mm-hmm. and I think they were one of the best defenses in the league and Jamie Dowick said you know what if we're going to win a championship it's going to be based on defense and and Nick Rose and he went out and made his defense even better um grabbing Noble grabbing Disnew making that defense even better and I think they are going to struggle at times potentially to put the ball in the net um but they do still have talent uh, up front they still have Dan Dawson Rob Hellier they still have Captain America Tom Schreiber so they have guys that are going to be able to score um but I think the way they're going to win games uh, is with their defense and with their transition and Challen Rogers, man, boy, he has been on fire in some of these preseason games. I think he is about to blow up and we've already seen him as the best transition player. What two years in a row, he's won that award. Uh, I think we're going to see more of an offensive role out of him this year. Uh, and it's, it's going to be scary to see how much he's even evolved as, as a well-rounded player. The, the with the release of Delzado, Rock only have three righties on their roster. That just really paves the way for Challen Rogers playing like fifty minutes a game out the back, staying up and playing on that right side. Yeah, and, and I we saw last year when there was some injuries that he manned the power play, uh, and we saw him do that with the Oakville Rock a couple of seasons ago, and it works. He's got a cannon of a shot up top. Um, he can distribute the ball well. Obviously, when everyone's healthy, he probably won't be on the first power play. Um, but if you know you need a different look um, or if, yes, there is you know some injuries or obviously we haven't even talked about this, but you know, God forbid if there is a COVID outbreak and you're missing a couple of guys on your roster, he's a guy that's going to be able to step up. So I think you nailed that on the head. A guy like Scott Delzato, we, we talked about some surprises. He was mm-hmm. a surprise. I didn't think he was going to make the active roster, but I definitely thought he was going to be a practice roster guy. But I think you you laid it out perfectly there. That just shows you that there is no doubt that Challen Rogers is going to have the green light to play a little bit of offense this year. Uh, you mentioned Challen winning back-to-back transition player of the awards. Uh, he beats out Kyle Matisse and Zach Courier both years. Out of Courier and Matisse, who wins a transition player award first? I think it will be Zach Courier. Yeah. And it's no knock against Matisse, but I think a lot of voters are reluctant to pick Matisse because he plays more of an offensive role uh, going back than he does on most nights, you know, playing offense. He gets a lot of power play minutes. So there needs, maybe there needs to be a different award. Maybe it needs to be the best, you know, 
offensive defensemen. Yeah, kind of like the NHL does. Like it, it's just it need it need there needs to be some sort of award because he. I mean, technically, is a transition player because he plays both ways. Like, yeah, we have enough trouble trying to clarify who's transition guy and not. (laughs) I I think we'd be lost if we tried to figure out which forward plays the best D tranny and which D tranny plays the best. And that's what I mean. I don't know. So, I'm a proponent. I've went on on the record before. I say I think it should just be you know forwards and defensemen. And if there's a guy that plays a little bit of both, then he's just listed as a forward or a defender, whatever he plays most. And he goes kind of both ways just because with the way the game's going, we might have only two or three guys that are strict O guys and strict D guys, because the more and more you see the Americans come into the game, the more you see these freak athletes like Challen Rogers, uh, they have capabilities to play both sides of the ball. And I think we're almost going to, we're not going to go to, you know, years ago where guys are, you know, five up, five down, you know, playing O and D, but I think we're going to see more guys that are going to be capable of playing both sides of the ball at a consistent rate. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's going to become more the norm for teams. I yeah. think, I think teams will be happy running seven O guys or six O guys all the time and just having D guys that can stay up and play. Yeah, absolutely. We even saw that defense fresh and just rotate your old guys. It's no big deal. And the old guys, uh, you know, at the start of the year, I I know they're, they're probably huffing and puffing, but you know, with old guys, they like their, their reps. Oh yeah. They need, they they, want to be going every shift. Exactly. They, they get out of, uh, you know, they get out of a groove when they have too many offensive guys dressed. Right. So I think that's a no brainer. I agree. And I, I think there's going to be more of an emphasis on the transition game and, and having these guys that are two way players. And I think it starts the development in junior. And that's one thing that I, I always tell my guys are the guys that come into junior, you know, say they say, Oh, I've only played offense. I, 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 I only play offense. I don't Good luck. Play defense. <laughs> well, exactly. You want to play at the next level. You better yeah. try to be the best well-rounded player. And there are so many guys in the national lacrosse league right now that are great D guys or great training that played only offense throughout yeah. their entire minor career. And sometimes even junior, but they realize, okay, if I'm going to play at the next level, I got to figure out, I have to adapt. Well, it's, it's the Dane Smith story, right? I think he's the perfect example. <laughs> yeah. His first couple of years, he played out the back door for Buffalo. Two years later, he's MVP putting up 100 or MVP candidate putting up 100 points. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I, I think even just look at a guy like Graham Hossack. Yes, he doesn't play offense, but he has the green light to stay. He he plays well, a lot he's more offense. a robot, dude. True. Bad example. Bad example. <laughs> Not a real human. <laughs> but he's the type of guy, like if you watch him play wall ball, you'd be like, why would I want him playing offense? <laughs> but but when he gets there up on offense, he distributes the ball well. He sets unbelievable picks. And when yeah. he gets freed up in space, he can score. Well, mostly on breakaways. And his breakaway move is pretty unstoppable because it's just he doesn't no, he he's doesn't leaning know one way, shooting the other, and closing his eyes, um, hoping it goes in the net. But yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. The the new norm for lacrosse players, you know quote unquote, are going to be sixes guys. You know what I mean? They're yeah. going to be that guy that can play the entire floor all game long um, and, and just be able to do it all. Maybe a little better at one end the, and the other, but I really believe teams are going to be happier just dressing six and 12 kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then, yeah. and then a few of those guys, you just, they have the green light yeah. or you tell them, all right, you're staying this shift yeah. or every going second shift you stay or whatever you want. Yeah. Or if it's the second period guys are going out the O door and taking away that reverse transition yeah. the other way. So it's, 100%. it's, 
it's crazy. The game just kind of goes in circles. It's different trends and, yeah. and it just, it, it goes back to where it once was before. Does this open up the door for more analytics in the cross? I, I would absolutely think so. I think yeah. we're starting to slowly get there, but I think that that's a no brainer. I think yeah. you look at hockey right now and I like to think that I, you know, I like to think I'm a pretty smart hockey mind, but when it comes to all the analytics, there are so many things that are just well mm. above my, 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 my mind and the expected goals. And I think that's going to be something that comes into to lacrosse very soon. Um, you know, yeah, we're already starting to see it in the PLO with some of the stuff that Joey Keegs does and Dan yeah. Resty are doing, or yeah, that, that potential goal or potential shot, like all those things um, are very nuanced and very new to lacrosse. But I think the more, things people can think of and more they can break it down the better just because it gives us nerds more stuff to talk about right <laughs> exactly and the thing that I, I and i'm not i definitely am not an analytics guy but i'm also not you know a guy that you know you you can't win a game on a score sheet but <laughs> yeah. i'm kind of in the, in the between where it's like yes it's not the you know the end all be all but you know, it can certainly help your lacrosse team. And it also can help you when you're deciding, you know, right now would be a perfect time to have some analytics when you're deciding, mm -hmm. okay, should we take this guy or take that guy? You can compare some of those analytics up against these guys and kind of guide you the way that you want to build your team. Yeah. And I wonder if teams are starting to do that more and making some of these decisions. I think, I think they probably are. It may not be as in depth as, you know, in the NHL or oh, MLB, God. but I think, I think some of this is starting to come into the fold as we get more and more deeper uh, into training cap and get closer again to that uh, November 28th roster deadline. Um, more scrimmages this weekend coming. Um, I think Colorado's in Toronto to play the Rock in an exhibition game. Um, Vancouver's in Calgary in two weekends for an exhibition game. Um, they're starting to allow fans into some of these uh, exhibition games. Preseason games, no. Exhibition games, yes, but it just means fans are getting to see the game a little bit more. Yeah, I, I know the track had a bunch of games, obviously, like you said, the, what did you call it? The Super Camp? Oh, yeah, I called it a Super Camp out in Langley. Super, <laughs> super Camp. So there, there's, yeah, there's opportunity for, for people to watch. I even know uh, out in Oakville, the, the Rock game was actually broadcasted yeah, on I saw that. your TV, uh, Kojiko, which is, uh, that's the same production company that puts on the Oakville Rock games. Uh, and I know Ashley Docking was on the call, Matt Cullen, who I do uh, the, the Oakville Rock games with. And then, of course, the GOAT, Shani, was also on the call as well. And um, they were getting their exhibition reps in, too. So yeah. it's, it's preseason for us. I, I, you know, I was really happy to get back in the booth with the, the Purple versus Orange game. Um, but boy, yeah, you you have to shake off the cobwebs oh, a little bit when it comes to I'm nervous to for that first game I got to call, man. <laughs> There's going to be so many new faces so many new numbers, like just, it's going to be wild. I, I, I can't wait. It, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? Cool? Your mustache is looking good. Is that a November thing or are you just missing the rest of your handlebar? On the left side? <laughs> no, it is a Movember. And um, actually uh, nice enough with, you know, obviously being a part of the broadcast team, Stephen Keogh, mm -hmm. uh, reached out and said, did you want to join the, the Movember, uh, Halifax Thunderbirds page? So, um, if you go to his, uh, Twitter account, uh, I believe it's his pinned tweet. You can go there. You can donate to the players individually, 
or you can donate to the actual team page as well. And uh, I don't know what the numbers are right now, but I know we are really close to hitting our goal. So uh, everything obviously um, going to Movember is great. If you donate to any page, that's outstanding. Um, but if you want to head over to Stephen Keogh's Twitter, hit that pin tweet, donate to us. Um, we'll be grateful for it. But like I said, any donation to Movember, it's a, it's a great cause. I do it every single year. Yeah, it's a little bit of an excuse that I can tell my girlfriend I'm allowed to grow a mustache for a month. Um, but all in all, it, it is really a really good cause. I think you got to shave the rest of your face for that mustache to come really shine. I'm sorry, man. I'm a busy guy. I work, <laughs> I work from home now. So let me just be able to shave all the time. Your bathroom's right behind you. It's true. It's true. It's I'm true. just, I, yeah, you're right. Okay. Next episode, next week, I'll come full oh, clean shave. Love it. Just the duster there. And we'll be ready to go. Uh, NLLshop.com is where you can make sure your duster looks good with your team apparel. Uh, you can also go to fanatics.ca and make sure you are dressed for your team's home opener on November 3rd or November 4th. Maybe it's even November 10th, but don't forget, there's going to be a lot of games on TSN, so you're going to want to be looking your best. NLLshop.com, fanatics.ca is where you get all your licensed and official NLL apparel. Uh, this is just one week between you and me, my man. Uh, we've got, call it 30 more to go. Uh, even more than that, I'm sure. Uh, it's a long season. We're getting close. Um, thanks to Steph. Thanks to not Steph. Steph wasn't on our show. We're going to get him later. Um, thanks to Reed. Thanks to Jacko. Um, thanks to our fans. Uh, Pat, this has been a good time, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. I, I'm, you know, I, like I said off the top, it's been a long time coming. I'm super excited for the season. I'm super excited um, for this podcast and just being able to talk about real lacrosse yeah. and not all these hypotheticals <laughs> that we did over the last two years. It's a beautiful thing. It is. We will talk to you in a week time. He's at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Stay safe. We'll talk to you in a week's time. And as always, be excellent to each other. I